Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Okay. I was asking the Lord about the message and what God wanted to do this week as we've been discovering and talking um, at length in a season concerning the fear of the Lord. Right? We've been talking about the fear of the Lord. We had this amazing encounter uh, for those of us that went to this little conference in Wyoming, in LaBarge, Wyoming, and, and we were there and, and this, um, on, on uh, Saturday night. There was an encounter that we all had, and, and, and what's coming out of this encounter, it was the holiness of God just sitting on the, on the place to the point where we just... All, the, there was no music, there was nothing, and everyone in the room sang holy, holy, holy for a long time, and people were being set free, they were encountering the living God. How many of you know God wants to encounter us in tangible ways? He does, today, want to encounter you in tangible ways that transform and change your life. And one of the things that the Lord began to remove in that exchange, right? He's giving me the fear of the Lord and he's exchanging it for the fear of man. So he's taking from me the fear of man and instead he's instilling in me this fear of him. And so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about what it means to be bold We've been talking about understanding and encountering the perfect love of God that casts out all fear. Any fear of man is an area where I have not yet experienced the fullness of the love of God in my life, right? And last week we talked about what does it mean? What does the fear of the Lord actually mean? But today, what I want to, I felt like the Lord was stirring something around being holy. Because when we, when we see God clearly, when we begin to behold his awesomeness, right, how big he is, and then in that, we realize maybe how small we are and how broken we are, we come before the perfect father who exchanges our brokenness for his glory. I mean, it's crazy good. Like, there's no better entrepreneurial uh, endeavor than to say, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you and you're going to give me back stuff that I, I, I couldn't even fathom. It's so good. So in that place, I was asking the Lord about this and fear the Lord. And he said, uh, I, I just asked him, what's the scripture that you'd want to do this? And, and I tend to do this sometimes where I'm just seeking the Lord and, and say, God, what is it that you really want to say? What is it that you're going after today? And I hear this, 1 Corinthians 7, 12. Well, I'm like, that's a weird passage, God, because it's about marriage. Okay, I'm going to mess with some people today. Hallelujah. It got real quiet. <laughs> marriage, hold on. Woo. All right, I'm going to read you what the Lord showed me. All right, 1 Corinthians Seven, and we're going to look at verse 12 through 16. This is just the, this is the intro. So this isn't my main passage for today, but it, it just led me down a path. So I'm going to take you with me today. Are you guys okay with that? Okay. All right. Is everybody awake? All right. All right. 
But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? And I'm like, okay, God, this is weird. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing into the fear of the Lord, God. I'm like, what? So I'm sitting here going, what is it? And he took me to the, again to verse 14. The unbelieving husband is made holy because of the wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. And though I was confused by the text, the Lord began to speak to me about how uncommon we should be in this world. How uncommon we should be to where as a believer with a non-believing spouse, my walk with Jesus sanctifies and purifies my unbelieving spouse. That's uncommon. That's not normal. Somebody say amen. It's not normal. Our marriages should be so uncommon. Because they are founded on a higher covenant in Christ than just the marriage covenant. Because we have a covenant with the Lord, we now are bringing sanctification where we live. In the relationships that we have, we are releasing holiness with the unbelieving spouse. It blows my mind. So for those of you who have unbelieving spouses, I just tell you right now, tarry a little longer. Who knows if you will not see your spouse saved because you're walking with me. Isn't that good? Hopefully that encourages some of you. So I kept praying, which when I'm not clear, I pray. And the Lord said, Chris, I want an uncommon people. I want an uncommon people. I want people who aren't normal. Everybody look around and say, you're not normal. Come on, look at somebody. Somebody, come on. Look around. You're not normal. Tell them, you are not normal. You are not normal. You are not normal. You are not normal. Come on, tell them. You are not normal, Okay. <laughs> you are not normal. Uh-huh. See, God wants an uncommon people. Do you want to know what another word for uncommon is? Holy. Holy means uncommon. Holy means uncommon. Means that you've set yourself apart. You're not common. See, the world is used to believers being just as common as they are. And he's called us to be an uncommon people. Amen? So the word for holy is hegios. 
in the Greek, and originally it was, it was used singular, like holy, like the holy one. But then the early church began to use it plural. You know what that translated to? Saints. The word saints, the root of the word saint is holy ones. So as saints, we are uncommon people. This is why Paul never addressed any of his letters to the sinners in Corinth. No, he addressed them to the saints, to the holy ones, to the uncommon people in Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and in Rome. Uncommon. You are uncommon people. And he would declare it every hey, you're the holy ones. You're the saints. You're not to be common. It also, uh, one of the things that it means is distinct in all manner of life, conduct, and behavior. Distinct in all manner of life, conduct, and behavior. Distinct in your behavior. Distinct in your conduct. In all manner of life. Okay. I did this a few weeks ago. I'm going to do it again. How many of you think that repentance is you were doing things this way and now you turn and now we're going to do things this way? How many of you would agree that's repentance? Good. Some of you said no because it's not. Repentance says I'm thinking like this and now God, you're going to change my mind and I'm going to think this way. And you know what the fruit of repentance is? The fruit of repentance is walking in a different direction. That's the fruit of what God does in the heart with repentance. So when you repent, it's God, change my mind. You know, we, we, I, I've spent moments in repentance where I, I, I didn't quite get what the Lord was doing. And I had to wait until God changed my mind on something. I had to spend time with him until he changed my mind on something. And anywhere that there's hopelessness, you're believing a lie. It's a stronghold of the devil in your life if there is hopelessness. So what do we have to do to break hopelessness? We have to see the God of hope clearly. And that I've got to change the way that I see God and the way that he sees me. That's called repentance. I've got to come and say, God, I'm feeling hopeless in this. And I come this way and I'm hopeless. And God, now you're going to change my mind. He says, no, you are full of hope. I died for you to have hope. Even if your hope is only in eternity, it's not even that your circumstances are changed. Your circumstance may not change. It may not change, but God, you're going to change my mind. And I'll sit here like this. Maybe, I'll, okay, maybe I'll get it. Maybe, oh, okay, I'm starting to land a little bit closer to where God wants me to be. I'm going to, instead of spinning in circles, let's say, God, let's stay in a place until we say, God, change my mind about what I believe and about what you believe about me until I see you clearly and know what you say about me clearly. Now that is repentance. And now you can actually do some things differently. You begin to walk out holiness, uncommonness, having distinction in all manner of life, conduct, and behavior. Why? Because God changed your mind. It 
So let me just ask you a question, and then I'm going to give you a quick challenge, and we'll dive into the rest. How are you different from those who have not yet accepted Christ? How are you different? That's a good question. How are you different? Are you uncommon? If you didn't say a word to people, could they tell you apart? If you didn't say, I'm a Christian, therefore, if you didn't say anything to anybody, right? St. Francis of Assisi's common quote, right? I'm always preaching the gospel and sometimes I use words. I think it's important to recognize that God wants you to be uncommon. So it's good to take some inventory. And maybe the challenge for us is to identify an area in our life where we have been common and God wants us to be uncommon. Where is my life not distinct from the world? Right? Can people tell I'm different by just how I live? In order to be uncommon, we need to know what God thinks that looks like. What does God think uncom- God thinks about being uncommon? I'll put a sentence together there somehow. All right, let's look at Romans 12, ch- uh, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the, miracle, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, uncommon, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To be conformed means that you're being modeled after something. If you're being conformed, your life is being modeled after something. I was watching a podcast um, during the the kind of uh, about six months into the pandemic of a bunch of pastors who realized at a certain point, one of them says, I realized at a certain point I was no longer the pastor or shepherding my church, the media was. Whether it was on the right or the left, they were, the, the, the word of the Lord that they were receiving was from the media, not from, not from their pastor. Well, that was heartbreaking for him. Boy, it made me hit my knees and just begin to cry out to God for our, our community of faith here. That God, we would, not, we would not be conformed to this world. That we would not let the media, good or bad, whatever you think, we don't, we, we don't want to be conformed by what the world is saying and doing. We want to be renewed in our minds and be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. Amen? That was a great place to say amen. Amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> Transformed is being changed into something versus being modeled after something. And God wants us to be a transformed people. So what influences are shaping your life, right? Is it the word of God, fellowship of those who are set apart and uncommon? Other believers who are set, like, are they the influencers in your life? Or, Or have you held back so far that they don't have any influence in your life? Right? Because we gotta be open to 
fellowship and relationship with people, allowing people to speak into our lives so that we can become uncommon. Amen? Amen. So, are you being renewed, changed in the image of Christ, or are you being conformed? And then Annalie blurted this out earlier, but one of the words used for uncommon is peculiar. In the old King James version, uh, the word peculiar is used in Exodus chapter 19. And the word peculiar means valued possession. Did you know that? Peculiar means valued possession. I'm going to read you um, verses 4 through 6 in Exodus uh, 19. Yep, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to read it out of the ESV, I believe. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure. In the old King James, it says, a peculiar people. Say, I'm peculiar. Turn to somebody and say, you're peculiar. Come on, say it. You're peculiar. <laughs> you are peculiar. That's a hard word to say. I get all tongue-tied on it. You are peculiar. So he says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Huh, we've, we've, we hear that somewhere. I think Peter talks about that, that we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. These are words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. We are a peculiar people. We are uncommon. We are God's special treasure. We belong to God. We are his special treasure. And Jesus has purchased us, redeemed us with his blood. Our Father has chosen us who believe above all others and desires us to be distinct from the world, worshiping only Him. Can I just give you the bad news? Being peculiar brings persecution. Being uncommon brings persecution. And we are in a world where the common rules. I mean, okay, I don't mean to get political, I am. When science is now based on the consensus, we have lost science. Huh? Huh? Newton would be burned at the stake. Gravity? There's no such thing as gravity. The consensus says... Sorry, that's all. Okay. (laughs) Being peculiar brings persecution. The believers of the early church were persecuted because they held a distinctive lifestyle from the world around them. That got quiet. They refused to pay homage to the Roman emperor. 
They refused to worship Rome's idols. They refused to participate in its pagan rituals. And they were persecuted for it. They were uncommon. They were God's special treasure. And they weren't going to compromise that. Being separate and different from the world caused God's people to be despised, imprisoned, tortured, and killed. We can be bold and fearless, not fearing man or anything that man can do to us. Why? Because we are God's special treasure. We do not have to fear man because I'm a peculiar person. I am highly valued in the eyes of God. We must live our lives as if we are his alone, his alone, not spread thin in our affections. His alone. Because no matter what it looks like in this life, we are his special treasure. Now, a people who are sold out radically to God are not invested in their comforts. Let me say that again. A people who are radically sold out to God are not invested in their comforts. You have no authority over what entertains you. You are not invested in your comforts. Give me a break about your schedule. He's not, you cannot be invested in your comforts. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, find the Holy Spirit, will ya? He's the comforter. We cannot be invested in our comforts. If we are invested in our comforts, we are not peculiar. We are common. We cannot be common people. Well, all I want to do is make sure my 401k is big enough for me to retire. Retirement ain't in the Bible. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be, be able to flourish in this life. Why? So that you can be a blessing. So that you can be an uncommon giver. So you can be an uncommon blesser. Not so that you're comfortable. If we are invested in your com- if you're invested in your comfort more than you are the will of God, you are not a peculiar person. Are you guys okay? I got a little fiery on that. I felt my face flush, and I'm like, how angry am I feeling right now? I gotta, I gotta be careful. I might speak something unholy, uncommon. Or too common. Right? Who knows? All right. Here's the other thing. You know, God equates being uncommon with actually pursuing peace. Did you know that? He equates holiness with pursuing peace. Part of being holy is pursuing peace. Can I just say it again? Pursuing peace. Pursuing peace. God wants us to be a people who pursue peace. 
Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Pursue peace with all people and being uncommon about it. Come on, we need this word. We need this word. Pursue peace with all, with all people and holiness, without which no one will see who? The Lord. No one will see the Lord unless you are uncommonly pursuing peace and being distinct in all manner of life, conduct, and behavior. Wow. Because we are not in a world of peace right now. Come on, everybody's got their battle. Everybody's going to fight their thing and go after the thing. That's what the world's doing. That's common. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for some things. But there's a way to fight where you pursue peace and holiness. Why? So he can be revealed in the way you're fighting. If your Facebook exchange, and I've been on Facebook a lot, you know, in the sense of like kind of, that, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of getting on people about their Facebook exchanges. I'm fine. You post whatever you want to post. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Why? Why? People need to find out what an uncommon people look like. Right? People need to find out what an uncommon people look like. Who is you? Who are you? In Christ. In Christ, who are you and what is being revealed? I love it because to live peacefully... We know the world is full of calamity, chaos, and confusion, right? Calamity, chaos, confusion. Deception abounds. Okay, so maybe we're not deceived. Is that the battle you fight? Maybe. I don't know. That's up to you and the Lord. I'm not telling you what to post or what not to post at all. I'm not telling you how to have conversations with a friend who disagrees with you politically. I'm not telling you anything about that other than pursue peace and holiness, Pursue peace and holiness, right? Ask yourself the question, does this promote glory to the Father or not? God's word teaches us to strive for peace in a world of conflict. In Hebrews 12, 14, it's defined as having a completely consecrated heart and life to the Lord. Distinctive living requires us to be set apart in all areas of our lives and to live in peace with everyone we encounter. I know some non-believers that are much better at this than most believers. And not, not, it has nothing to do with political affiliation, but they've, 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 for some reason they understand that when there's conflict, they can bring peace into the conflict. They can be peacemakers instead of run away, run away, you know, escape. <laughs> that was for you, Terry. Run away. <laughs> okay, you can escape or, it was an inside joke, don't worry. 
you can escape or you can combat. You can go out head on, right? Two main options that we have in conflict is we run away or we hit it head on. And in the middle, you make peace. In the middle of disagreement, you make peace. Sometimes it means that you ignore it and you focus on a higher ground. Sometimes it means that you have to address the conflict in a way that actually promotes making peace. How peaceful are you? There's the challenge question. Listen, seek to make peace with anyone whom you are at odds with. That's uncommon. That guy offended me. Go make peace. Go make peace. And don't do it with a hammer in your back pocket waiting for them to say something. I know. I know. I'm blowing people's minds today. This is good stuff. (laughs) What? The pastor told me I can beat him up. Let's assess our life and consecrate the areas of conflict that are in our life to the Lord and submit them to God. Amen? Amen. All right, lastly, we want to be uncommon in our love. In our love. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. another. Love is distinctive. And when you can learn how to love each other in the body, in the body, in, the, in the, that different denomination that doesn't teach all the things that you like, body. That guy, that, can you bless the guy that says that the gifts of the Spirit are from the devil? Can you bless that? Some of you go, uh-uh. How about you love and you allow God to do his work in them because they're in Christ. They love Jesus. Have an uncommon love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uncommon. It needs to be uncommon. It needs to be a holy love that we have for one another. Are you real and honest with people around you or are you stonewalled in? That's not common. I mean, that's common love. It's like, I'm going to put up all my barriers of protection, and then if you try to step over that line, I might just chop your foot off. (laughs) Be uncommon. Be open. Be vulnerable. Allow there to be some level of connection with people that makes you feel a little abnormal or uncommon or peculiar. We have to learn how to love each other better. Jesus taught the disciples that love was a distinguishing factor for the believers. When the early church began to spread throughout the world, the Christians were recognized for their acts of charity, for the love that was manifested among the believers, so much so that people were like, I want to be in that community. Wow. They really love each other. It's different than the world's kind of love. Jesus also makes this in in Luke 6, 32 through 35. Jesus emphasized the difference between the love of believers and the love of the world. Right? I'm going to read it real quick. 
But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive back as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Hope for nothing in return. That's uncommon. That's holy love. Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Okay, let me just say, this is Jesus talking. Jesus talking. God God is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So what are we supposed to be? Kind to the unthankful and the evil. Well, they didn't say thank you. I'm not baking them cookies anymore. Be kind to the unthankful and the evil. They lied. They lied to me. Well, who's your protector? God. And if God's your protector and they lie, you're okay. You really are. You're okay because he has you. And then you can even be kind to the liar. You can be kind to the people that hurt you. This is an uncommon love. Amen? I know it's hard. But Jesus, again, keeps going because that's what he does. He says, therefore, be merciful as your Father also is merciful. Be merciful. We have to walk in an uncommon love. See, God wants an uncommon people. And I just pointed out a couple of things, you know, like, okay, just be prepared. If you're going to be uncommon, you might have some persecution in your life. But don't be a jerk about it. Like, be uncommon and pursue peace. Be a God's special treasure in love with mercy and kindness. God wants an uncommon people who aren't so invested in their comfort that they can't fulfill his will in their life. Are you willing to make some changes to be uncommon in your life? To live distinctly different than the world around you? If you will, let's stand. We're just going to do some activation. We're going to pray into this. We're going to ask God to transform our own hearts and minds this morning, okay? So as you stand, we're just going to ask God to do the work in our spirit, to come and do what only God can do, amen? You can't force this. See, God has given you the gift of his spirit that brings you comfort when you need comfort. He's given you his spirit so that you can live uncommon. He empowers you to live an uncommon life. Amen? How many of you desire to be uncommon? Raise your hand. 
I want to be uncommon. I don't want to be normal. I want to be holy. I want to be set apart for the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I felt like I wanted to get a little, I won't say the word crazy, but uncommon. How's that? I want to be uncommon. I feel like anybody who feels like they're struggling with areas in your life where you, you know that you have not been uncommon, where, where holiness hasn't been a primary thought in your life. I feel like the Lord wants to just work on your heart in a very special way today. And um, Annalie's going to play. There's not going to be team ministry teams like we sometimes do, but I'm asking that each of you come forward and just get on your knees before the Lord and just seek God in an uncommon way. Just begin to come forward, come up to the altar, come anywhere on the carpet and just seek the Lord that, that the areas that have been common would become uncommon, that the areas that are not distinct would become distinct, that the areas that you know God wants to transform your life, that you have that conversation with the Lord to say, God, I'm going to give this area to you and, in re- and you're going to exchange it for an uncommon purpose for an uncommon ability to live the way that you've asked me to live. So the altar's open. I want you to come on up. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.